Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. A lot of stuff to break down today. We've had a long weekend with a number of different things going on around the league, including some trade talks that we'll need to get into. Keith Smith joining me as always. You can find him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. You can find me at Trevor underscore Lane. Keith, how are you doing, man? And uh, it's nice to get to talk to you again after the weekend. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's MLK Day. That's mm-hmm. become a very important day on the NBA calendar. Basketball basically all day. Uh, Celtics have already played that's right. today, and they won. So uh, so that's always a, a good thing in these parts here. So that uh, uh, makes for a nice afternoon. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, we get games going on all day today. It's a great day on the NBA calendar. Uh, you know, and I, I said on Twitter earlier for our uh, – Friends over in Europe, uh, this is great because they get to actually watch basketball at a somewhat normal hour instead of the middle of the night and those kind of things. So, yeah, all good. But, yeah, trade talks picking up all over mm-hmm. the league. So let's dive in. Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's start with some of the, the big names that have been out there have been coming from the Pacers side of things. We talked about Miles Turner, Karis LeVert being out there, Domitas Sabonis uh, feels like it's more shifting towards him staying in Indiana, at mm-hmm. least based on what the recent rumors have suggested. But uh, but we saw a rumor coming from Hoopsite. Michael Scotto said that uh, we've got a little intel here on what the asking price is. And according to him, from the Pacers' side, what they're looking for, if they're going to trade Miles Turner, is two first-round picks or a very promising young player and a first. So we need to talk about Karis LeVert as well. But let's start with Miles Turner there. What are your thoughts on that particular asking price, knowing, of course, that that doesn't mean that's what they're going to get, but interesting starting point from the Pacer side. Yeah, and in, in kind of coming into this with the the mindset of you always ask high because you can always come down. You, you can't always go back up in a conversation. I think Miles Turner is very much a eye of the beholder type player. If you... If you need what he does, you're probably willing to go get him and mm-hmm. give a decent return for him. If you don't need what he does, then that becomes a little bit more of a, yeah, is this really worth giving up a whole lot for a guy like Turner? Uh, contractually, he's under contract for an extra year, uh, so you would get him the remainder of this season and next year at $18 million, So that's a perfectly fine yeah. uh, number for what Miles Turner does. And, and I think folks who listen here and watch this show know I'm not a massive Miles Turner guy. I just don't I, – I, I don't think he's the shooter people think he is. He's not a 40-plus percent knockdown three-point shooter. He's basically a spot-up guy who makes around 35% from three, which is – Good for a big, but not great. Um, he doesn't really rebound all that well, and his, but his shot blocking is very, very good. So I get why teams would be interested, and I understand why the Pacers are saying, hey, we we are not rebuilding. You know, this is not a tear this all the way down, because otherwise it would be Turner and Sabonis versus Turner or Sabonis. Right. Um, I do think Turner has taken the forefront in the trade talks because he's just simply easier to plug and play into a new team uh, versus what Sabonis would be. You'd have to really tweak your offense quite a bit to incorporate him. But yeah, I, my guess is they're not going to get that much. It's two two first round picks. Maybe you get a first and then a very heavily protected second sure. first. Um, you know that that'll ultimately probably turn into two seconds. Maybe that's where this goes. Um, or maybe you get a player, but a promising young player or a very high upside uh, young player. I don't know that you're going to get both of those things from Miles Turner. Yeah, I think, and again, it depends on the player 
And even when we talk about a promising young player, well, like you said, even with Turner, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. So it depends on how that particular team feels about that young player and how the Pacers feel about that young player as well. Mm -hmm. There's obviously going to be some differing opinions on a number of different young players around the NBA and exactly what very promising means. Well, that's subjective. So we'll see what, what winds up happening here. I do think it's a good starting point. I agree. I don't think they get that. But the only thing give me a little bit of pause here is that this market is very much a seller's market because there's not that many of them. Yeah, there's not that many teams absolutely. right now that are selling. And that is in part a byproduct of this new, new-ish, I guess, anyway. We had it yet last year. But the play-in system where you have a play-in mm -hmm. tournament, you have more teams that are looking at things saying, you know what, we're not that far out from being a playoff team or a play-in team at least. We can make a little bit of noise. Let's hold off on selling pieces where in years past, a team that's sitting in 11th place or whatever is probably in sell mode right now. So that's yeah, something so to let's consider break as that, well. that part down sure. just a little bit. Uh, and this is factoring a couple results already from today. Again, we're recording this uh, Monday afternoon and there are a couple games have already finished. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, so let's look at the East. Uh, the Celtics are in 10th, so that final playoff spot in the East at 23 and 22. Uh, the Knicks are behind them uh, by a half game. Uh, they flip-flopped positions today. And then the Hawks have now fallen four and a half out of the oh. 10 seed, which that's kind of starting to get to danger time yeah. there. And then the Pacers, Pistons, Magic, they, they're all well uh, behind. Seven games for the Pacers and the Pistons, Magic, can't even see the, the playing from where they are. Um, so that is a little bit more defined in the East. In the West, though, Portland uh, is in 10th in the final playoff, uh, play-in spot, rather. And you can go all the way down to Oklahoma City in 14th, and they're only three games behind the Blazers. And there's no real sense that Portland is going to continue to push. Uh, they're, they're, as we've talked about many times, a team people are watching. And then I don't know how anyone could look at the uh, kind of grouping of Kings, Spurs, Pelicans, Thunder, and say, yeah, there's the team. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the one who's going to, you know, full on go for it. So, so you're right. It has made a weird, you know, look at what does this look like uh, from this? And if you're the Pacers, if you could be an early mover by, you know, selling off um, Turner, Lavert, we're going to talk about him in a minute, maybe a couple other pieces like Justin Holiday, uh, things like that. You may be able to generate a bigger return because, as you said, it's a seller's market. And because there's so few sellers, buyers may be more motivated to overpay to, to get guys like that. So that, that does um, have to factor in here in a major, major way. So, yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, it may, may behoove the Pacers rather than taking this all the way down to the deadline because what's going to change for them? They're seven games out of the plane. Exactly. They're, you're not getting any closer. Um, and then the other thing is what may change is more sellers coming into this because right now, look at the teams behind them. Detroit, maybe Jeremy Grant, right? We're hearing some some noise about him. Uh, but Orlando's not doing a ton of selling. They've got a couple veterans Jared that maybe Ross. they might lose. Yeah, and Houston, mm -hmm. you know, let's take John Wall off the table. But, you know, may, maybe a couple guys mm -hmm. there, you know, DJ Augustine. But those are guys that are going to return minimal. So if you're the Pacers, you may have a couple of the better players on the market. It may really be able to make some. Well, and we'll do something soon, fully breaking down. We're not quite... We don't, it's not quite defined yet, but pretty soon yeah. we'll need to do something breaking down 
sellers versus buyers and kind of putting the teams into different buckets here. Um, But you're right. Yeah, the Pacers, it might behoove them to make a move sooner before the trade deadline rather than waiting all the way up until the deadline because it's possible that just more assets could get pulled off the market. Other deals could get done and more teams could jump into it as sellers. Mm -hmm. So certainly something to factor in. Uh, Interesting though, for Karis LeVert, again, coming from Hoopside, the, the word is that they're looking for a first and a young player. And I think what's interesting is the language there because in the Miles Turner side, it was a first and a promising young player. And then for Karis LeVert, it's a first and a young player. So I think that's interesting. Contractually, they're pretty similar, fairly close, Mm -hmm. Miles Turner and Karis LeVert. But interesting that it's just a young player, not necessarily a promising young player for (laughs) for Karis LeVert. I think that's kind of pegging the value right sure. on the two players. I think Turner's a, a more valuable player. And that seems weird to say because he's a big and Levert's a wing and everybody's looking for wings. But Karis Levert, he, he's a good player, but he can be a very inefficient player. It, it's tough to peg what is his value on a very, very good team. It may be better off to be a coming off the bench kind of mm-hmm. guy or a guy who... He starts, but his real role is when you go into those reserve units, he's the guy who sticks and he kind of keys uh, what your reserves do. That may be the better spot to look at for uh, Karis LeVert. But yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's just not somebody you're going to be, uh, you know, kind of going head over heels to, you know, pay pay a ton for. But again, if he ends up one of the best wings on the market, well, somebody's going to go get him because there are teams that, well, not that there there are teams that need wing help. But every team is always looking for an extra wing, especially one who can put the ball in the hoop. And much like Turner, if you really like him, he's got an additional year under contract at $18.8 million, uh, for next season. So that that's a guy you can say, well, we got him for the rest of this year and next year, which then that kind of becomes in both of these cases. It's almost like, hey, we did our free agent shopping exactly. you know, a couple months early. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's something that teams will have to factor in as well. I think you're. it's weird, though, saying it but it feels like it's easier to fit Miles Turner into a lot of teams than it is necessarily to fit Karis LeVert. And it's because of that inefficient shooting. He's only shooting what 31% or so from three. So for a lot of teams that would be, that that's going to cause some problems. And so I like Karis LeVert as, as a player. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but just, I understand why Miles mm-hmm. Turner might carry a little bit more value than Karis LeVert would. Yeah. I continue to believe the best fit for Karis LeVert is Cleveland. Yes. I just think that's the team that can use him the most. I think he fills a lot of needs there. Um, I think he's he's a guy who becomes, you know, you could trade Ricky Rubio as a salary match. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whatever you need to plus that up with, you know, you figure that out as you go. But, yeah, he, he's the guy I think that, that they should be targeting. They have been mentioned as linked to him. I don't know how much that is people like us that are <laughs> kind of putting two and two together versus real noise. Um, but but we'll see. Um Interesting, uh, Karis LeVert once was maybe thought to be going to the Houston Rockets in a trade in the Rockets. Also uh, out here, uh, you know, searching uh, for a trade for Eric Gordon. Yeah. Um, and I think Eric Gordon, right, Eric Gordon played at Indiana. So there, how's that for linking all that together? Oh, look at uh, that. Segway. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, Eric Gordon on the block. The Rockets, this one seems ambitious. <laughs> um, a first. They would, like, yeah. <laughs> they would like a first-round pick for Eric Gordon. Now, I thought that was a little crazy till I started looking at his numbers and man, he's playing pretty good. 
you know? Here's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. Right? Like, Eric Gordon, this is what, what gets me. If I'm a team and I'm trading for Eric Gordon, I'm looking at his numbers and they're great. And if I'm the Rockets, I am I am putting those in a neon sign <laughs> yeah, and saying, look at these numbers. Give us a first round pick for him. Let's go, right? But yep. 46% from three, 15 points per game right now. That's incredible efficiency. His efficiency is so high that if I'm in another team, I don't buy it. I don't buy that, that that's sustainable because otherwise we're talking about is Eric Gordon essentially the best three-point shooter in the NBA? I know P.J. Tucker, technically his three-point percentage is higher right now, but is Eric Gordon the best three-point shooter in the NBA or the best three-point shooting guard in the NBA? He's very good, but I don't know if I want to pay the price to assume that's what he's going to be moving forward. That's my holdup if I'm another team training for Eric Gordon. Then you add in the fact that he's 33 years old. I think the Rockets are right to ask for a first-round pick, but I would definitely hesitate if I was a, another team looking to deal for him if that's the price. Yeah, so you mentioned his age, 33. I'll mention his injury history mm -hmm. is pretty long, um, so you have to factor that in. And then you have to factor in, unlike Turner and Laverde, who are young enough where you're like, hey, we get these guys an extra year, uh, he's on the books for an extra year at 19.6 million. Plus, if you're a really, really good team and you think Eric Gordon is launching you into the NBA finals, mm -hmm. uh, that final year in 23-24 at 20.9 million becomes fully guaranteed if you win the title. Um, now, people are going to bring this up. We get brought up without Horford. People are going to wonder about this as well with Eric Gordon is. Well, it says if Houston wins the championship, that does transfer to whatever Ooh. team he is on. Okay. It is not It is not locked in Rockets. It is whatever team uh, Eric Gordon is on. So I think what you have to do if you're a team is clearly you trade winning a title for paying him $21 million a couple of years from now. You don't really care about that. You just have to really factor in is do we think we can get a good rest of this season and a good part of the year next year out of Eric Gordon? You know, if we, if we do, then maybe not to beat a dead horse here, but if he's one of the best, you know, guards available on the market, go. I think, again, another guy, pretty easy plug and play in just about any team. Uh, you can put him out there and say, hey, just do do your thing, shoot and score. And what we always say about guys like this, this is where he's almost the opposite of Levert, right? Levert's putting up numbers, but does it fairly inefficiency, inefficiently, rather. Gordon is shooting over 50% from, from the field, 46% from three. So Andy's, you know, got a decent amount of assists for a guy who's really a scorer. And let's factor in, he's doing it on a team that is not great and not exactly filled with amazing spacing either. So that's where I look at it and say, boy, you know, it, if you told me a year ago, I'd be here kind of campaigning and saying, yeah, you know, I could kind of see kind of going in on Eric Gordon. I would have been like, that's insane. I'll never say that. But yet here we are. And I feel like, you know, maybe this is it. But to your point, you have to really feel confident this is going to continue. Otherwise, this one could turn sideways on you really, really quick. And this is, you know, we talked about this, I believe it was last show with Tim Hardaway Jr. This is another player that is, their value is very tied to their percentages. Yep. Eric Gordon for his career is a 37% three-point shooter. Last season, he shot 33%. Season before that, he shot 32%. Now he's at 46%. You have to you have to buy that he's suddenly that much better of a three point shooter than what he showed for his career, and I just don't. He's done this. He did it once in New Orleans. Yeah, let's he did go he back. 40, I mean, 45 percent back in 2014, 2015. Yeah. 
but again, you have to buy that this is going to be sustainable. And maybe it is, I hope it is. I don't, I don't dislike him as a player, but sure. just it's a buyer beware situation. Now, if the cost is a little bit lower, if they come off of that and it's a, you need to give a guy a, a decent prospect or something and like a second rounder. Okay. All right. Maybe we can, we can start talking about something like that, but when it's a first round pick and obviously not all first round picks are the same, but if it's a first, yeah. it just feels like a, like it's a bit ambitious and I would be concerned if I was the team paying that price. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm giving up a fully unprotected first round pick. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm a team that's, you know, in the seven to, you know, 12 range in the conference and I'm just trying to make a playoff push. I don't know that I'm necessarily jumping in there because, you know, unless I feel like, you know, I'm falling apart. If I'm the Atlanta Hawks, for example, I don't know that I'm giving up a whole bunch to go get like Eric Gordon. Cause I just don't know that that makes sense from their standpoint where, that may not even be enough to lift you to where you want to go. But if I'm one of the good teams, if I'm one of the kind of top four, five, six teams in each conference, and I feel like I'm pretty good and yeah, I'm going to give up a pick even, but maybe what you do is you top 20 protected so that if you fall apart sure. uh, late here, you're, you're kind of protected, but um, I'd give up, a, you know, the 21st to 30th pick this in this year's draft That's if fair. I could um you know that that seems to make sense and and I will say the last two years have been a mess for him he has not shot it well um he's he's barely played he played 36 games in in the 1920 season uh 27 games in 2021 um I think there was a sense of what are we gonna push him to play mm -hmm. for uh but the years prior to that with split between New Orleans and Houston I mean he shot the heck out of the ball from behind the Mark. He, it's oddly in those years he'd really kind of transition into becoming almost solely a three-point shooter and he shot about 38 percent over that uh six-year stretch from from deep so that's pretty good what and then this year now he's become a little bit more he's getting inside scoring a little more in their mid-range getting the basket a little bit more um so that i do think you know does you know kind of have to factor in a little bit here so yeah i think it's as you said not all first round picks are created to equal so let's see what that looks like but it it's starting to look like maybe he's one of the better options out there and mm -hmm. you know if you feel like hey we can do this again because pretty easy plug and play can start can come off the bench can do some stuff actually surprisingly he holds his own defensively i think better than people give him credit for yeah, he's um, strong you know there you know yeah he's not, not a good defender i'm not gonna go that far but you know yeah and again i feel weird kind of campaigning for Eric gordon because i never thought i'd be here at this <laughs> point especially on that contract but yeah here we are yeah i mean if it was a late first okay i could i could yeah. see that it's more thinking like an unprotected at some point like that's that's where we're yeah that's far. probably too much yeah. like and then then if you you if you're giving up an unprotected first you better be really confident you're a good team absolutely that that's not going to worry about it um you know we've talked a lot about how the spurs don't do deals mid-season and now now we've got <laughs> another player bryn forbes the nuggets are apparently interested in working something out for him the spurs don't appear to be making a playoff push or anything like that, or, you know, yeah, worrying yeah. too much about that. So I might this streak here be, be broken or the trend break here in the Spurs make a movement season. We've already heard that young and now uh, Bryn Forbes, potentially a guy who's out there. Yeah. And I think the difference with those two guys is uh, two veterans that are on expiring contracts. Mm -hmm. The Spurs aren't often sitting in that position. They tend to either have young guys or they have veterans who are locked up uh, for multiple years. It's kind of rare for them to be in this spot. So that's kind of, I kind of don't 
Dude, there was a report that the Raptors are interested in Jakob Pertl yep. um, that we talked about. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily think the Spurs will move Jakob Pertl. I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for them. But that young Bryn Forbes, that does make, make sense there. Um, and I think this is where you do kind of break your trend of we don't really do in-season deals because this is – it's really hard to see how trading either one of those guys really comes back to bite you. You know, whereas if you could trade Pirtle, he could go on and play great. You could be a pretty good team next year. And be sitting there saying, you know what? We really need a defensive anchor in, in the paint. And now you're like, man, we should have just kept Pirtle. I, I don't think they're going to be finding themselves pining for Thad Young or Bryn Forbes. Uh, Forbes with the Nuggets having interest in Bryn Forbes. That one makes some sense. Um, it was interesting. Just the other day, uh, they, they came out and a couple different people there said including Nikola Jokic everybody knows we can't make a shot and they they are not a great shooting team they're they're in the bottom half and they're trending lower as as things go here now I would disagree based on what we just saw (laughs) I would disagree with that (laughs) yeah I think you yeah you have a different perspective but I think uh, the numbers tell us that was maybe the outlier like halfway through (laughs) the game I'm not kidding they were shooting 75% from three, the Nuggets were. That was the their legit stat. And not I'm not talking like first quarter. This was like, no, I think yeah. we were in like the third quarter and they, and they were shooting 75% from three. Yeah, no, I, this was, was on high volume. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I want to say they were like 12 of 16 or something like that, right? It was, it it was, was pretty nuts. high. Yeah, but the reality is they have struggled to shoot it this year. And, and, and Forbes would make sense there because you could really kind of throw him in, um, play him as long as you have they have a real ball handler on the floor, mm-hmm. so you'd have to have Boris or Compazzo out there with them, have them just kind of run around, play off Jokic, and you know get open. And you've got enough defensively to protect him too. So, you know, that in, in four point five million, that's a number Easy. very easily um, that, that you could go get if if you're Denver. And that's you know the Nuggets sounds like they're going to get Jamal Murray and maybe um, uh, Michael Porter Jr. back this year. You add Forbes to that group. All of a sudden, that looks like a pretty dangerous playoff team. Oh, yeah. That's the team that you don't want to see, I think, if you're you know one of the top-tier teams in the in the yep. West. Um, we've got some other moves to get into, some you know more minor things here. But, uh, for example, the Lakers give Stanley Johnson another 10-day contract. Uh, we know they, they like him. His minutes haven't been quite as high over the last three games. But uh, another 10-day deal for him. This is it. This is the last 10-day contract that he can get. He did have one on a hardship contract. And so now he's had three consecutive 10-day contracts, which normally can't happen, but one was a hardship deal. So one more 10-day contract, then the Lakers will have to decide what they want to do. Do they want to use their open roster spot to sign him for the remainder of the season, or do they want to part ways and do something else? We'll see. Yeah, and that extra one is only allowable right now. Um, We're going to talk about another guy who was on three uh, 10-day hardship deals. It's only allowable because they decided these hardship ones don't count as like they they regularly would um, just because they were trying to get teams through that COVID period in December, which this wasn't a show topic but just to touch on it looks like we're pretty well through that the woods on that at least for players uh coaches continue to go down including the orlando magic uh coach jamal mosley and then uh i believe it's nate tibbetts his uh his lead assistant are both in the health and safety protocols yeah. now so um and i think that's uh mosley makes the 17th uh head coach uh to go on the protocols which i mean if players are going down it did you know serves you know you got to believe the coaches uh would as well um but yeah so that's why johnson was able to do a third 10 day with the lakers uh, and then this one 
much like the prior one, these do count against mm-hmm. the luxury tax and, and all that for the Lakers as well. So, um, yeah, so they're going to have a decision to make in you know a week and a half here. Do we want to keep him? Do we want to uh, you know, move uh, in a different direction with an open roster spot? Or well, what does it look like? So, uh, well, let's see, you know, if he continues to play and play a decent amount, I'm sure they'll do what they can to try to keep him around. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of keeping a guy around, the Mavs have decided to waive Willie Cauley-Stein in order to sign Marquise Chris, who came in on a mm-hmm. 10-day deal and, and performed well. And so now there it is. He earned himself a roster spot. Yeah, a lot of people have asked about Willie Cauley-Stein. You know, will the team yeah. claim him on waivers because right. it's only a $4.1 million contract? So there are a lot of teams that have the ability to do that. Or, you know, should a team really look at signing him? And it's not that Willie Cauley-Stein is necessarily a bad player or anything. He just has not played in over a month now. We're getting close to a month and a half. He's been out with personal reasons. I was say, do there's we know been, what the story no, is there No, there's yet? been no reporting as to why either, which has me worried from the standpoint of hope everything yes. is okay for him in his life um and because of that that's where i just kind of have to say shrug and i don't know you know if he's you know somebody you can sign maybe, maybe this is one where in another month or so or maybe he waits and now sits and kind of waits to see what happens at the trade deadline and buyouts and then picks a destination and he's ready to go from there this is i can i do know this this is not a uh personal situations like why Ben Simmons is being ruled out for personal reasons on a nightly basis where he just doesn't want to be there. And everybody knows what that story is. Uh, this is, there is something going on because the team has expressed support for him and said they would continue to support him, even though he's no longer on the roster. So that's a very long way of saying, I don't think he gets claimed and I don't think anybody signs him right away. And then Marquise Chris, you know, good for him. He's played well for them. They they need a a kind of big with some bounce and some energy. That that's not something their other bigs necessarily give them, uh, you know, on any kind of regular basis. So you know, he parlayed that into a two year minimum contract, uh, play, playing well on that hardship deal. Yeah, um, and you know, Ben Simmons is saying mental health too. Sure, that's, that's what. It, but it's fair. 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 It's un- understandable. Yes. If people are skeptical of of yeah. you know how legit that that is i think that's a fair yeah thing to no consider. that's a it's a good point thank you um the heat are signing kyle guy decided yeah. he's he's their guy and they're, yeah. and they're gonna they're <laughs> gonna stick with stick with him um again you know what this is we said this was going to be the silver lining of all of this all the COVID stuff that was going around all these hardship players coming in replacements all that sort of stuff the silver lining is guys who may not have gotten a chance otherwise are going to get a chance. And some of those guys are going to seize the opportunity. And we can say the same thing about Stanley Johnson and they're going to find jobs in the NBA as a result of this. And that's, yeah, that's I always mean, cool to see. In his six games with the heat guy averaged 8.2 points per, per game. Uh, K basically as a, as, doing what he came into the league with the rep as is shoot the ball, mm-hmm. um, you know, 51% in, in those six games uh, from the field, 45% from three on 3.3, three point attempts. Normally I would say six games, man, I'm not going to give this you know, whole heck of a lot, right. except this is the Miami heat who a few years ago, this was Duncan Robinson, not really highly regarded guy came in very, very late in the season um, with, with the heat. And then now developed into one of the best shooters in the league, Max Struess, a guy who came in on a on a two way contract, uh, you know, with, with uh, Miami. 
not really overly regarded, is now starting games for Miami on a regular basis and really shooting the lights out this year. The Heat have gotten an awful lot out of their two-way players. So uh, before this, normally I would be like, eh, I'm not going to think a whole lot of this because of the situation there. This is one to keep an eye on and continue to monitor because there's, I'd say, a better than – uh, you know, even chance that Kyle guy turns into something just given Miami's track record with those guys at the back of the back end of the roster. True. Yeah, absolutely. They've got this. I mean, Omer, you're at seven now mm-hmm. looks like a legit starting center in the NBA, not an all-star or anything, but a legit starting center. And he's a guy who wasn't, you know, kind of on anybody's radar, you know, even a few months ago. Well, I mean, might as well mention it now, I guess won't be a legit starting center for much longer because nope. it sounds like Bam Adebayo is, <laughs> is back. He is questionable for tonight's game. And that's great yep. news. Great. Obviously, you yeah. want to see Bam back out there on, on the floor. But... Little I had a schedule, too, I mm-hmm. think, because I think think it was supposed to be uh, more towards the end of this month. So, you know, that's that's why they give you those, you know, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks ranges, I guess. And, you know, it does tend to be in the NBA because everybody's cautious, uh, especially guys signed long term. But Bam, Bam going to get back in. I mean, I don't want to be this way about it, but the Heat are, you know, they're not pushing him back to play because they don't really need to because they just keep winning games. Yeah. You know, they 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 just, it's almost like, you know, I I'm, I want to see what they do if they plug me and you into the rotation, if they would just continue to rip off wins or what. Like, you know, it's, oh, it kind of feels that way. I almost. can promise they would not. If they, if they, <laughs> that would, that would not, that would not happen. No, they, we would get burned. We would get, we would get run out of town, Miami. Like before we could even play more than a minute or two on the floor, I'm pretty sure heat fans would, uh, would forcibly remove us. They would, they would probably, in fact, at least for me, they would rather play five on four than five on five <laughs> with me being one of their fives. Yeah. They'd be afraid. Like I would stumble and fall into one exactly. of their guys and hurt them. Something. <laughs> yeah, it would literally be, you run to the corner and you just, uh, it is funny whenever, you know, I used to say when I was like, even as late as high school, I was like, you know, an NBA team could pay me nothing. And I'd just sit at the end of their bench, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd, they'd be happy. And then I learned like, Oh, well there are minimum contracts and there are literally hundreds of thousands of basketball players in the world that are more suited to go get a minimum contract than I would ever have been uh, in my life. Oh, reality. It hits you hard. (laughs) Um, We do have one more to get to for, for this episode here. And that's the bulls signing Malcolm Hill. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they're, they've, they've picked him up. Uh, We do, we do, by the way, I still have a lot more to get to, but we're going to do that a little bit later today. Yeah, and, and Malcolm Hill is a guy who he was up with the Hawks earlier on a hardship 10-day, was with the Bulls on a hardship. What, why, What's kind of going on right now is they, they eliminated, it used to be January 15th was the last day to sign a player uh, to a 10-day contract. Um, this year, again, trying to give teams a, a increased roster flexibility due to COVID and the like, that's been eliminated. You can sign two-way players all the way up to the end of the year. But today was the last day to waive a two-way player before their two-way contract became fully guaranteed for the rest of the year. So we're see, we've seen some two-way movement over the last uh, week or so really related to that deadline. And what the Bulls did was they waived Devin Dotson, a two-way guard. Uh, Chicago has all kinds of guard depth when healthy. Um, and we're going to get into some of their injury issues in, in the next episode. Um, uh, in but where we're at with this one is that Malcolm Hill uh, comes in and gives them a, a wing 
uh, size player. Another guy who's about you know six foot six or so can play the two or the three and really kind of hold his own. We do need to talk to right now a little bit about Joel Embiid and what's going on with the 76ers. So let's go there. The Philadelphia 76ers right now doing pretty well, winning basketball games without Ben Simmons. And Joel Embiid says, we've got everything we need. Keith, this could reinforce the 76ers stance that they don't feel like they have to trade Ben Simmons by the trade deadline. Yeah, it, it's a little hard to argue with Joel Embiid. They're nine and one in their last 10, 10 games. Uh, yeah, I well, maybe may, that might have been before today. I, let me uh, let me get a refresh and see if that still holds true. They did lose today now to Washington. Eight and two. Yeah, so they're eight and two in their last ten games, but they they've played pretty pretty well this year. They're uh, the top of the East. The Bulls are in first, down to the Sixers in sixth. It's three games, yeah, uh, separate. So they're right there um, with with those teams. So yeah, I think it is. I think there's definitely some truth to what he's saying. Now the reality is though, you would much rather have anything versus a $30 million salary hole um, that it's sitting there. You, you you can get something else. Yeah. You, you probably feel good about what you got. And I think that might've been his subtle way of saying kind of, I think where you were going is we don't need to go crazy yeah. here. We don't need to trade Simmons plus Tyrese Maxey, plus all our picks to, to go do something like let's hold a little firm. But I don't know that that necessarily means, Hey, don't trade Ben Simmons. I think it's more, Hey, let's not trade a whole bunch of extra stuff in addition to Ben Simmons. Well, I mean, here's, here's why this matters because if you're a team that's trying to trade for Ben Simmons right now, and the 76ers are hitting you with this outrageous price, whatever it is, we've heard the 76ers want a lot for Ben Simmons. They've got their list of 25, 30 names and all of these things. Um, the general idea has been that they they want more than teams are willing to pay enough to where a lot of teams are coming away with the impression that the 76ers just don't want to trade him, that that's where they're at. If you're one of those teams that's trying to trade for him, you are telling the 76ers, well, you know what? You're asking prices high, but you need to be willing to give. You need to be flexible. You need to negotiate with us here because you, if you don't trade Ben Simmons, you are wasting a year of Joel Embiid because clearly you're not going to get it done like this as as things sit right now with $30 million sitting on your books, giving you no production on the floor. You need to trade him so you don't waste another year of Joel Embiid because how angry is Embiid going to be if you don't move Simmons? And this flies in the face of that argument. Now the 76ers yep. have the backing of their star, their guy, to hold him through the trade deadline if need be. Now that doesn't mean that they won't, trade him but it sure, sure sounds like Joel Embiid is on board if that's what it takes they can go ahead and keep him and they don't have that built-in urgency to get something done which is what other teams would use in a negotiation yeah exactly that's that's really good way to sum it up this is just Embiid basically saying hey I've got your back yeah Daryl Morey like let's let's go let's figure this out let's just keep keep moving I don't need you to have to do anything this year I'm not going to force it and to your point this is not that he's taking aim at those um, one of them that have said like are you gonna really waste a year of Embiid's prime here um but he's kind of taking aim of saying like hey don't let's not worry about that let's just keep going so yeah I, I think it's smart on his part now that said I still think they're gonna trade Ben Simmons yeah. by the trade deadline and we'll see but now we're going to Shelburne reporting today I believe it was on NBA today on ESPN that 
Simmons is ready if this is a full year thing. If he's, yep, I'm just going to be out the whole year, he's ready to do that. So, I mean, I guess everybody's just kind of, let's see, you know, where this goes from here. So I, I'm very, very interested, um, you know, with what, well, you know, watching this play out as we have been for, you know, feels like, month, well, not feels like has, has been, been months now. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just been, feels like years. It, has it does. It feels, it's just the longest staring contest ever right, right now or one of them anyway um but something that was interesting that was brought up i believe by our buddy mark stein who said that this could be a james harden thing as well that part of the incentive for the 76ers to just wait if they don't get the offer that they want is because they could flip ben simmons in a sign and trade with the brooklyn nets that would bring james harden to philly what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean they wanted to trade simmons for harden a year ago when Harden was traded to the Nets. Uh, it was really something that they really wanted to do. And I think where we're at now with that is Daryl Morey clearly has an affection for James Harden. Um, and it's not a silly one because he's a very good player. So I think it is just at a point of let's see. And what Mark Stein, uh, his reporting was, is there continues to be a lot of noise that it's not a lock. Harden signs an extension or resigns with the Nets as a free agent this offseason. So I think that possibility entered uh, kind of the, the universe when Harden didn't sign an extension, when Durant did. Um, everybody knew Kyrie Irving wasn't going to do that because it didn't really make sense for him to, to do that just because of the nature of the, the way an extension pays out. But yeah, let, let's see you know, where, where that one goes. And that would be kind of fun just because – you know, the chaos involved that that would, you know, create all over the place. Clearly that's not anything that's going to happen now. Um, You know, as far as that kind of move like that, that, but maybe this off season, if the Nets get the sense, Hey, Harden doesn't want to be here. You know, why not parlay it into somebody good? And, and there's a kind of, in a way, how much more offense do you need in Brooklyn? Like, you know, if, if you're feeling pretty good about the guys Mm -hmm. and if Kyrie Irving's going to get back and play, you know, regularly, you know, let's go. So I, you know, yeah, I mean, well, let's go, but why is part of that not going to happen now? Let's go to our next thing. Kevin Durant. It's going to be out for a while. It's going to be on the shelf for, for some time. Um, uh, had, uh, teammate Bruce Brown fell into his leg, uh, the other night. And uh, Durant left the game early. But as he left, he said it didn't feel as bad as uh, 2017 when he uh, Zaza Pachulia, then teammate, fell into his leg. And he was out for over a month. But then the uh, the MRI and everything shows he's going to be on the shelf for, for a while here. At MCL, so Anthony Davis injury, essentially. Yeah. Um, and similar in terms of AD, had someone fall into, all, into his leg. And now you've got a similar situation with Durant. Uh, he's going to be out for, for a bit. Um, not good. Not good. You never no. want to see players that are on the shelf due to injuries and things like this. So, you know, as much as we talk about, oh, could Harden be on the move? It's, you know, they're going to be very reliant on James Harden for the next few weeks, months. Uh, it could be a month and a half, maybe, but before Durant gets mm-hmm. back. So James Harden's going to have to be a big part of the Nets offense for however long KD is out for. And um yeah, we'll see where things go from there, obviously. And, and Kyrie, when he can play, yes, um, which is they're kind of fortunate right now. I think it's something like 11 of 14 are on the road uh, for the Nets. Um, so Kyrie can play there. There's still been a lot of buzz out there that Kyrie will, somehow he's going to play in home games. 
we don't need to get into yeah. there's only two ways that happens either new york changes their mandates or Kyrie gets vaccinated it's you know that's it's one of those two things happens it's not worth the debate time on you know which one will happen but we'll, we'll see but they're you know james harden jokingly said i'll give him the shot myself <laughs> uh the other day um you know but we'll see and uh just as we're recording this the nets just fell on the road to the cleveland cavaliers mm-hmm. uh Cavs with, with a big win uh even without kevin durant beating the nets for the Cavs is a huge win absolutely the uh the ever surprising cleveland cavaliers yeah just keep um, doing it yeah and it looks like i don't maybe this came out early clutch sports right now is announcing that uh darius garland is the player of the week yeah yeah he was the eastern conference player of the week yep. yeah uh him and uh devin booker i believe it's was, possible uh, that that came yep. out earlier and i just missed yeah, it earlier it came out earlier today i'm just seeing yep. the the clutch sports press release yep. here it's saying that that he is indeed yep. player of the week so i missed it earlier yeah. but but yeah, darius garland and devin stuff. booker east and west players of the week it's great i mean well deserved um, there's Erwin at 18 assists the other night oh, in a game. <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he's starting to hit a uh, most improved player uh, territory oh, yeah. as well. Absolutely. Potential all-star in the East. That guard line, man, I was running through this with some friends the other day. That guard line in the East is really hard to crack, especially if DeMar DeRozan is going to get voted in as a starting guard, which, which may look like it happened, which it shouldn't be because he hasn't been a guard in no. years. But yeah, um, but yeah. You know, let's uh, uh, speaking of DeMar DeRozan, segue yeah, alert. Yeah, and guards. Teammate Zach Levine out for a little bit yeah. with a knee injury. Uh, no significant structural damage, but no timeline given yet. Just uh, he's going to be out for a little while. So let, let's see, you know, where this goes. They're, they're clearly going to be kind of cautious with Levine. Um, it's the same knee he had the torn ACL in, um, but he, he heard it early in a game the other night uh did not play in their last game on friday against boston he's not playing today uh, as they play the memphis grizzlies uh here on monday on martin luther king day as we're recording this so let's see you know where this this goes with uh you know um uh, zach levine hopefully you know maybe a week or so and then then he's back out there because that bulls team man they have they are They've gone through it right? yeah, oh, between yeah. health, safety yep. protocols, and injuries. I mean, it's ridiculous. These are the guys who were out when they played Boston. Uh, Lonzo Ball was out because he's also dealing with with uh, an injury. Alex Caruso still out. Uh, Javante Green would become an important player for them. Derek Jones Jr., who was starting because other guys were out, he's now out. Uh, Zach Levine, as mentioned, and then Patrick Williams still out long term. So they only had ten guys, and it was you know a lot of bench guys and mm-hmm. you know that, and they're they're uh, getting it handed to them pretty good right now by by Memphis. As I turn and look at the TV here, they're down by twenty uh, late in the third quarter. Memphis is doing, I think, doing that thing where somebody finally beat them, broke their their streak. The Mavs did, and yep. so now Memphis <laughs> is like, okay, we're taking it out on on the next who's next? Team. And, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you almost are like, man, why did we have to get them now? Right. Exactly. Know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Could have got them, you know, a week from now. Speaking yeah. of surprising losses, though, or I guess that's not a surprising loss, but speaking of, of losses, um, Draymond Green out. Yeah. And a couple weeks. Uh, the Warriors lost to the Wolves the other mm-hmm. night, which was certainly surprising. Good. Beat badly yeah. uh, by the Wolves, but Steph didn't play either. Uh, Steph went home a day early in the trip uh, to have his hand looked at, but the Warriors have slipped a little bit. They're four mm-hmm. and six in their last ten. Uh, the Suns in that period have gone seven and three, and Phoenix is now two and a half games clear 
at the top of the conference of the Warriors, the top of the league, I guess, is a better way to put it. Uh, clear of, of uh, the Warriors, four and a half on both Utah and Memphis. So uh, Phoenix starting to create a little bit of distance there uh, at the, the top of the league. But, you know, the Warriors are just, I mean, their depth is better. But still, I mean, you just, your two best guys, that's, that's you know, nobody's depth is quite that good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, did you see the betting weirdness that happened because of Draymond sitting out when uh, Clay Thompson came back, his return mm-hmm. game? So I don't I, I don't think along the lines of betting stuff. Our, our mm-hmm. guy over Lakers Station, Mark Gunnels, is great at this stuff, but I don't tend to think that way. I wish I had thought of this in the moment when it happened. So Draymond Green goes out into warmups and hurts his calf. Right. Enough to where he says, OK, I'm not going to not going to play. But this is pretty close to, to game time. He's mm-hmm. warming up and, and hurts it. And then they make the decision. OK, well, he's actually going to play because for whatever reason, he wants to be on the floor when Clay comes back. But then we're immediately going to foul and take him off the floor. Mm-hmm. Normally, when stuff like this happens, when a, a major player is out, you'll see the betting lines move before it like really hits the news, you know, because people know. Sure. And and so normally you'll see you if you see a big move in the betting line you're like oh something's okay what's coming out what happened right well this was not knowledge people didn't know about this because it had just happened and the Warriors announced what was going on and before the betting lines could change people ran into their various betting platforms and books and and whatever <laughs> and bet the under on Draymond Green because he's playing but he's gonna put up zero uh... stats. And so they just threw a bunch of money on Draymond Green under whatever. Yeah, I'm like, I wish I had thought of that. But uh, but then there was this big question about what do we do? Is this legitimate? Do these actually get paid out? What what happens here? And it just I think the bigger picture thing is it just goes to show like as betting is becoming more legalized across the country. These are things that suddenly become bigger and bigger topics when you've got injuries and stuff like that in the NBA and how the information for those injuries get out there. Um, it, it becomes an even bigger story. Yeah, it's interesting you say that too, because one of the things that's been bandied about by a lot of different people is that they have to, there needs to be more, even more transparency mm-hmm. with um, injuries. Because what's happening quite a bit is, like like the Zion Williamson situation, right. is what happens you know, with, with, you know, you know, this and why did we not know about this surgery and all these things is that the teams need to be a little bit more forthcoming with these injuries, with all that, because of the gambling aspect. Uh, so that's just going to be interesting, especially as the leagues embrace this more. Yeah. Right. Because when it's just, you know, when it was back in in our day of, you know, I'm going to find my shady friend who's <laughs> got a bookie friend and I'm going to give him the money and place a bed and all this stuff. Well, the league had no reason to be transparent because you were doing something, quite frankly, that was illegal. But now that a lot of this is legal in a lot of places, the leagues are embracing it as advertising partners and everything else. Uh, you know, even sometimes in-game partners and those kind of things. Arena that is something. Yeah, arena spot. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, right. Yeah, that is something that's going to be be interesting to see how that all plays out. Because yeah, because you do have to kind of you know uh, put this together in a different way than you would have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll we'll see where all of this winds up going. But it's just just kind of interesting. Something that that uh, had people talking for a bit and uh, yeah, you know, but I do think like hockey stalker, they're, they're way less transparent than the NBA is oh, usually NBA. Like yeah. right now, 
if if Kevin Durant was a hockey player or a soccer player, do you think we're hearing MCL injury? No, we're probably no. hearing he has a lower body injury. Yeah. And that's that's probably what we're getting, right? And that's and that's about the yep. extent of it. So um yep. there's that to factor into. But in any Yeah, way. it's generally it's either the uh guys dealing with something or the player is out for the long like out for a year. Right. Then they'll they'll be a little bit more open to that, but yeah. Um, we do need to talk about a couple of G League assignments for players that are returning. Yeah, good injury news. Yeah. Zach Collins and Jeremy Grant, both going to spend some time in the G League as they do get closer to, to coming back to the NBA. Yep. Jeremy Grant's going to only practice um, more and more teams, mm-hmm. especially where the team is close. They're sending guys down to get some practice reps in. Uh, we talk about it quite a bit here, but just to be uh, say it again and be clear is they are in the NBA. You don't practice a lot, especially not full scale, five on five, run up and down uh, scrimmage type practices. It just doesn't really exist. So uh, what ultimately happens is um, to get that work in, they'll send guys down to the G League team. And this is why uh, teams are really embracing the G League, why teams have wanted to move the G League teams very close to them uh, so they can do these kind of things. And in the case of Zach Collins, they're going to send him to the Austin Spurs and he is going to play. Now that one's a little different because he hasn't played in a game in a long time. Um, If we remember it, he's been out for quite, I mean, Clay Thompson was out for a really long time. Zach Collins isn't all that far off, you know, how much time Clay was out. So, uh, so Zach Collins going to go in, get some game reps with the Austin Spurs and then ultimately return to San Antonio. And as much as I've hated on that contract because it just felt confusing and Mm -hmm. why did they give him so much money? Uh, Zach Collins was a pretty good player for Portland. Uh, before he got injured and looked like he was going to be a big part of their front court rotation. So maybe San Antonio will kind of catch lightning in a bottle here behind uh, Jakob Pertl. And if Collins can refine his athleticism and his shooting touch, you might even be able to play those two guys together a little bit. That would be a twin. That would be the the modern version of a twin towers lineup or something like that. But, but potentially you could, um, I mean, big, big picture. Just good to hear that these guys are getting closer to returning. Yeah, Zach Collins obviously time. has dealt with a bunch of injuries. So good to hear that. They're and on the Jeremy Grant front, someone who's prominently mentioned in trade rumors. So let's see what that looks like. Absolutely. All right. I think that wraps things up for this one. Appreciate everybody joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA front office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well and follow us wherever you do listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody stay safe and see you.